your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Welcome inside the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. As with me as always, Cami Ann Griffin. Cami, excited to be back on the uh, podcast after missing Monday. I know. I feel like uh, we haven't spoke in quite a while on here, so I'm excited to catch up. Yet, so if you missed it, Monday, myself, Mr. Cole Thompson, the host of the Locked On Aggies podcast, we did an entire podcast dedicated just to bringing back the Lone Star rivalry, bringing back Texas versus Texas A&M, how it can happen and why it should happen. Uh, Cami, are you on board with that? It should happen. Oh, I've always been on board and... It's kind of funny to me that uh, obviously they were on the losing end of a very close uh, battle at that Justin Tucker field goal the last time they met. So if I were Texas A&M, I'd be vying in any possible way to get that uh, win back. So it's really odd to me that uh, they're kind of reluctant to play again. Uh, well, you know, it's funny because Cole brought that up. You know, he's like, he's like, in anything that I do, I like to come out on top. Right. And so, you know, it's kind of interesting. And we, and we talked a little bit about that. And uh, speaking of Justin Tucker, we're going to get into some Justin Tucker talk in a little bit. But first, let's talk about some scheduling. The ACC has come out with their new schedule, and they have included Notre Dame in a 10 plus one schedule, 10 conference games. One non-conference game must be played in the home stadium of the ACC team. Uh, mm-hmm. A little surprising that they uh, included Notre Dame, which is funny to me because Notre Dame plays all their other sports in the ACC, but when it comes to football, they stay independent. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's a little little surprising, but uh, we've kind of been discussing the possibility of the Big 12 going with uh, all-conference and then that one extra non-conference game. So I think it's kind of unfortunately leaning towards that because we were feeling pretty confident that the Big 12 wanted to move forward with that 12-game schedule. So um, it doesn't appear likely just in terms of what all the other uh, Power 5 conferences are doing. But um, yeah, I I guess I'm not too surprised. I mean, what was the other option for them, you know? So yeah. I don't know. It's just very confusing right now. I can't wait until all of this is kind of laid out in stone. Yeah, it's, it is confusing, you know, because th- you have these questions, right? And you're going, oh, it's going to be conference only. All right, so they're going to play 11 games. Mm-hmm. Well, if the Big 12 goes with a 9-1 schedule, 9 conference. Yeah, how is that fair? They play 10. Uh, who? What? What's, what's the SEC doing? You know, they're right now leaning towards waiting on a vote of the school presidents, but right now they're leaning towards going to a conference-only schedule. How many games are they going to play? They have 14 teams in their conference, so obviously exactly. they're not going to play four, 13 games. Um, you know, it's likely a 10-game, 11-game. Um, you know, which which teams do they not play, you know? Yeah, how, how do you really they... organize that fairly? That's uh, – hmm. Well, Tough. I think maybe they'll add – games where teams that weren't already on the schedule who are in close proximity Mm -hmm. as far as travel is concerned, maybe, I don't know. Uh, You know, the ACC is really the only conference right now that has come out and said, this is our schedule. Right. uh, You know, big 10 was the first to say that they were going to a conference only schedule, but we haven't seen what their schedule looks like. Uh, Pac 12 is another conference that, you know, alluded to it very early and Mm -hmm. we have seen nothing from them. Uh, you know, so it's like, what are they going to do? You know, and then and then when you factor in the SEC, what does that mean for Texas? What does that mean for Oklahoma? 
Oklahoma was scheduled to play Tennessee, uh, so you can wipe that game off their schedule. Texas obviously had the uh, return battle uh, in Baton Rouge, game I was looking forward to. I've never been to Death Valley, was hoping to go. I mean, I could still go, but it won't be to watch a Texas game. But, you know, if it's not Texas, yeah. I'm not going to go. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of questions there. Like, what happens now? What does that yeah. mean? I think, uh, well, one, the Texas LSU, um, if that's not going to be able to be played, like it sounds like that's a major loss, I think, for both sides and the NCAA as a whole, because everyone, I think, um, around the college football sphere is looking forward to that rematch, as exciting as the last one was. But um, I don't know. I think the Big 12 kind of needs to make a decision within the next week or so, because um, think about like the Texas football program going into camp. You don't even know what team you're preparing for uh, at first. Right. Um, USF uh, compared to a conference game is kind of a big difference. So I don't know. I think they kind of uh, within the next week or two need to kind of solidify that schedule. But um, it, it just sounds like it's going to a conference only, which. I mean, I can't be too disappointed on because it's football and it's, it's better than no season like many thought uh, would happen a couple of months ago. So um, at least it's something I just um, am glad we're not the ones having to kind of figure that out. Yeah. And so Big 12 Media Days will be coming up and, and we'll dive into that and, and what they're going to be discussing immediately following Big 12 Media Days. But hopefully that gives us some semblance of, of what they're doing. It gives right. us an idea. Uh, obviously, the options on the table are. 12-game schedule, very unlikely. Right. Mostly because all the other Power 5 school conferences are – go if they're all going to conference only, that doesn't leave Big 12 with many options as far as filling a 12-game schedule with three non-conference games. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a team like Texas who still has their entire non-conference schedule intact until the SEC comes out and says conference only. Then they lose their second opponent in LSU. They still have USF. They still have UTEP. What I think is going to happen is they're more likely go with one of the other two options. And I'm leaning more towards the nine plus one schedule, but there's the option of going with a nine game schedule. Uh, Could they possibly go 10 and have teams play twice? Certain teams? Uh, mm-hmm. Could you see a return matchup of Kansas, Kansas State? Yeah. Could you see a second battle of Bedlam? Oklahoma, uh-huh. Oklahoma State. Could you see a return battle of Oklahoma versus Texas? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Uh, probably more likely that Texas would either play Texas Tech again, Baylor, or TCU if they wanted to keep it in a – Close, Close proximity. Yeah, right. And, yeah. and obviously Baylor would probably be the one that they would go with because there's because of how close Waco is to Austin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm leaning towards a, a nine plus one schedule at the moment. But uh, like I said, I mean, you can't really you kind of have to go along with what the other power five conferences are doing. So um I don't know. It's hard. I think if uh, any conference were to play the full schedule, it would be the big 12. But you, I don't. Yeah, it's just. Tough. Obviously, um, if the SEC makes a different decision, then we lose LSU and things like that. So, yeah, it's it's just up in the air right now, I guess. Yeah, I think what would end up happening in, in that scenario with a nine plus one, it's kind of where I'm leaning here, is Texas would play their, obviously, their nine conference games like they have scheduled, and then probably UTEP. I think the USF game would get canceled um, right. and go with UTEP. For one, Florida, much like Texas, has been a hotbed for COVID-19. 
Um, and obviously the travel, you know, worried about, you know, going from Florida to Texas. Uh, meanwhile, you got UTEP. Yeah, it's a little ways away from Austin, but at least it's in Texas and it's within, you know, 600 miles uh, of Austin. Um, so I, I expect to see UTEP and then going to a nine game schedule with multiple bye weeks, allowing for recovery, quarantines, makeup games, whatever they have to do. But I, I still feel that that's the way that they're probably going to go. Yeah, I agree with you. If I had to, I guess, bet on the most realistic option, I think that's what it would end up. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but let's uh, let's switch gears. Let's get into some recruiting. A tight end has committed to the University of Texas. The NFL 100 list is completely done, and let me just tell you it's awful. And there's a defensive back that has decided to stay at the University of Texas. So, Cammie, the Texas Longhorns have had their issues with recruits in the 2021 class at the tight end position. <sighs> yeah, and yeah. I, you could argue for um, a few years at that, but, uh, right. yeah. I mean, they have some uh, some good names down the list. Jared Wiley, Braden mm-hmm. Librock. Uh, you know, those are some names that you can look at in the future. Uh, for the 2021 class, it all started with Lake Marie McCree. Uh, he obviously commits, decommits, then commits to USC. And then Texas lands in a commitment from Landon King, mm-hmm. who then, not even two weeks later, decommits and commits to Auburn. Right. And now Texas has landed a commit out of Colorado, Gunner Helm, who uh, many thought was going to Iowa, which has been really a breeding ground for tight ends, especially going to the NFL. Yeah, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Texas were all within his top three. And he even, uh, I think, visited Ohio State within the last few weeks of his recruiting cycle, too. But uh, I know Wisconsin, Iowa, and Texas were for sure uh, the three he was debating between. Um, And it kind of sounds like the reason he chose Texas primarily was he wanted to be in a warm weather environment. Um, He liked the city, obviously. Um, Him and his family came down on their own for an unofficial visit, obviously, during the uh, COVID-19 uh, things going on. So uh, they fell in love with the city and uh, he committed, I think, not even a week and a half or so after his visit to Austin. So um, it was kind of a fast uh, recruiting cycle in terms of Texas and uh, targeting Helm because I think they offered him only about a month or a month and a half ago. So um, it was a big get for them at a true, like, for example, a true tight end prospect. Um, I'm sure they were very excited to land him. I know um, several players and um, I know Carrington and things like that on Twitter are very excited for his commitment. So, uh, yeah, he's a he's a six five. He's got a big frame. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him. You know, it's going to be interesting because uh, beyond this year, obviously you have Cade Brewer, um, who who's a senior. So it's his last mm-hmm. season in Texas. Uh, behind him, you have Malcolm Epps, who's kind of this hybrid wide receiver tight end. Uh, obviously, last year he played some wide receiver position with the injury to Colin Johnson. Uh, you know, and then beyond him, like you said, you have Jared Wiley, Braden Leibrock. Um, you know, Gunnar Helm is one of those guys that I think could come in and, and make some noise. And, you know, maybe they try to change up the way that they play on offense. And, you know, maybe they get a, a Malcolm Epps, a Braden Leibrock more as that slot receiver, and they can play, you know, Gunnar Helm there on the end. So, you know, they, they have some options there. But, you know, it's still exciting to see them actually get a tight end. And, you know, it's it's interesting and funny at the same time because – it's almost like the tight end has gone the way of the fullback where it's kind of dead in the modern game of football. If you're not that 
prototypical. Well, it's not really prototypical, but that new era tight end mm-hmm. of Zach Ertz, uh, Kittle, who played at Iowa. You know, uh, a mm-hmm. Noah fan. You know, you got to be that that threat who can you know run up the middle or or up the seams. You know, so it's going to be interesting to see. You know, there's not too many Jason Wittens coming out of <laughs> the NFL anymore. Right, or Rob Gronkowski. So, um, yeah, those are kind of rare talents. So, um, I don't know. I think he has the talent to kind of develop into a starting tight end role at Texas. So, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how he progresses. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, let's talk about a guy who decided to enter the transfer portal not too long ago. Uh-huh. And now Anthony Cook has withdrawn his name from the transfer portal, according to Inside Texas. Yeah, well, he's actually went back and forth twice. So originally that first time where he was very vocal on Twitter and then um, the day after deleted his tweet. So we didn't know what that was about. And then about a week later, they reported that he changed his mind and was going to um, show up to campus and participate in football-related activities. And then um, maybe a month after that or so, he decided to enter the transfer portal. And then, what, a week or two after that – around there, probably about a couple of weeks or so, he decided to withdraw his name from the transfer portal. So I feel like it's been a back and forth off season with him. And um, I'm not sure why, or I'm not sure anyone knows exactly what's going on. He's kind of made it seem like a personal decision. So um, that's something, I guess, to keep an eye on. But in terms of uh, the competition at uh, that position, I think Adam Mora is probably uh, the favorite as of now, but it definitely provides solid depth. Yeah, he does provide depth. He brings some some experience and yeah, Adam Moore is a guy that people have talked about, but you know, in terms of being an odd off season, you know, we've kind of had this going on for a while now. Uh, DeMarvian Overshown, Brennan Eagles, Juwan Mitchell, you know, so it's, it's been this up and down. I'm leaving. I'm not playing. I'm staying in Texas. I'm leaving. I'm coming back. You know, so it's, it's just in one thing after another. I mean, it's for an off season that had no football. It's really been, drama filled oh yeah especially just in the secondary and um general has been uh or defense in general you could say a couple of linebackers are in that mix too so yeah it's been a drama filled off season yeah it has been a drama filled but you know i'm actually glad to hear um as much of a joke as it may sound like i'm actually glad to hear that anthony cook is staying in texas and he will play this upcoming season obviously they have talent there in the secondary but it's really going to be all hands on deck if they feel like that they're finally going to push Oklahoma, close the gap. They're going to need all of those defensive backs covering all those wide receivers. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the talent is clearly evident back there, and uh, we've all mentioned how talented Anthony Cook was. We thought he could transfer to another program and start right away. So um, I'm just curious uh, what's going on behind the scenes is all. Yeah, and – uh, hopefully we'll get some answers very, very soon. Uh, Cami, do you pay attention to the NFL 100? Yes, it's um, – I don't. I wouldn't say I agree with it, I, and I'm not even sure the players take it too seriously, but um, I guess it's entertaining to watch. The number one overall quarterback was Lamar Jackson. Okay, I'd buy it. He was the MVP. I could somewhat see that. Yeah, but – is he better than Patrick Mahomes? Uh, no, I wouldn't say overall player-wise. No. Uh, MVP last year, or the year before, I should say, Super Bowl MVP had that miraculous comeback against the Houston Texans when they were down 24 to nothing 
I don't know. Patrick Mahomes to me is far and away a better quarterback, and I think he's far and away a better player just because of what he means to his football team. Uh, you know, because I think if you take Mahomes out, they don't win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And, and so, you know, I, I found that funny. Uh, only one Texas Longhorn made the list, Earl Thomas III, number 75 overall. Okay. Now, here is where I have issues. There was what? not a single kicker or punter on this list, and I know. These type of lists are, are for, you know, the sexy picks, right? Right. We're talking about the defensive ends or defensive tackles who disrupt a game like Aaron Donald, the safeties, the cornerbacks, the running backs. I don't mm-hmm. think that you can find 100 players that have been better than Justin Tucker. Um. Yeah, I think. Well, did you mention if there was any kickers on the list? Maybe that could none. be. Yeah, that's the issue then, I bet. So, I, yeah, that seems odd to me. I feel like he should be on the list uh, without a doubt. I mean, kickers are players too. So, right. yeah, that's odd. The the guy has uh, near 91% conversion on his field goal since he entered the league in 2012. Last season, he converted 96.6% of his kicks. He missed one kick on a field goal attempt and missed one extra point. So he missed two kicks all year, over 70 kicks. And you're and you're going to tell me that that guy was not deserving of being a top 100 player? I, I, I mean, I know people don't look at kickers the same way, but let me just tell you: if you don't have a kicker, you got big problems. Uh, we cover the Dallas Cowboys. I, you know, I have covered the Dallas Cowboys. I watch the Cowboys weekly. Uh, when you don't have a kicker and you have a guy like Brett Maher, that can lead to losses. And I think that Justin Tucker is very much a valued member of the Baltimore Ravens, and if they can get back to a Super Bowl victory, I think he's going to be one of the keys to doing it. Oh, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't hold much weight in terms of these rankings or things like that, and I know um, – I forgot who it was, but one of the NFL reporters mentioned how the players really don't take this list seriously even uh, when they're voting or things like that. So um, there was a few big surprises. I know Justin Tucker was one of the ones we were uh, kind of the most angry about. But, yeah, I think Mahomes was definitely um, – and I think it was a general consensus that he was a little too low on that list. Yeah, that that definitely was it. All right, uh, let's let's talk about the Big 12 media days. Uh, and then a little bit about Jordan Whittington and uh, Vernon Broughton Jr. Okay, me. So on Monday, the Big Twelve Media Day is set. Head coach Tom Herman will speak about four o'clock. Uh, he will be the last coach to interview. There will be no players. What are some of the things that you're hoping to find out from the Big Twelve Media Days on Monday? Well, I think what everyone's kind of paying attention to is the scheduling. I think that's going to be one of the primary topics on uh, what they're hoping for, what they're discussing, trying to get uh, any type of information out of them, Um, kind of how they're going to go about the unknown, I guess. I'm curious uh, within camp and things like that. You normally have your opponents uh, set and squared away, and uh, you're looking forward to, uh, let's say, USF, who is supposed to be their first game. So I'm curious to see how their camp's going to progress uh, without knowing their their first opponent. uh, maybe we could talk a little bit about uh, – hopefully he'll talk a little bit about the running back by committee. I know he's been very high on Bijan Robinson and him getting immediate playing time. Um, curious on a couple of the injuries uh, like Whittington and Ingram and things like that. But, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess um, it's just a typical Big 12 media day. 
you know, I'd like to get some closure, some some idea of what the schedule is going to look like, obviously, like you talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other big issue I want to know about and I'm hoping to hear about is uh, what are the protocols right. you know, with this schedule, uh, with the bye weeks, like we discussed in an earlier segment, you know, how many bye weeks are there going to be? Um, you know, how are they going to be doing rescheduling? Are they saving time between the end of the season and the Big 12 championship to maybe make up games that could play a huge role in deciding who is in the Big 12 championship game? You know, so those are things that I'm kind of curious about. I want to hear about. But we do have some positive news on that. University of Texas has reported that there are zero active COVID-19 cases among the football team. Yeah, I think that's significant news because everyone was kind of up in arms about uh, when they first reported to campus with the 13, I think it was a positive test. But like we always mentioned, we think uh, kind of an organized environment like that on campus would actually turn out better for the players. And I think um, a lot of programs are benefiting from that right now, uh, having those players on a stru- in a structured environment like that and on a schedule like that and around the same people. Um, I think it was significant drop, obviously zero. So it's basically non-existent at this point. So um, I think that's a positive sign in terms of moving forward. And on top of that, uh, for example, the bubble that the NBA were doing and things like that, um, they've had great success with that. So I think um, it was initially a shock, but I think they're handling it the right way. Yeah, they are. I think, you know, I I do like that. Um, So the bubble we talked about, you know, the campus is a semi-bubble, I think. You know, obviously, because it's a little more of a controlled environment. Um, You know, there's still going to be issues, I think. Uh, you know, because we see in the sports world right now, the NBA and the NHL are both in this bubble mm-hmm. and they're having no positive cases, right. which is great. And they're going to be allowed to play and we're going to be allowed to watch. And there's so many former Longhorns that are playing in the NBA. So there's guys that we're going to get to watch. And I, that's exciting. And then you look over in baseball and you see a team like the Miami Marlins who are having a horrendous time right now. And, and that's kind of like people's worry mm-hmm. with college football. Is it going to become like that? And, and so we, we kind of thought about the idea of how could they have a bubble? I think the Big 12 could have a bubble if they move games to Arlington, Dallas area, where they have right. multiple stadiums that they could play. Um, but that creates another conversation that I don't think the Big 12 Conference or the NCAA want to have. Exactly. Because if they put them in that bubble – then they're no longer amateur or student athletes because they're not going to be going to class. Yes, they'll be doing the online, but they won't have any of that thing that makes them a student athlete. And so I think this is the only way that they could do that is having on campus and hopefully a controlled environment. And we'll kind of see when the students start coming, you know, the non-athlete students start Mm -hmm. coming to campus, how well that's controlled. There's going to be a lot of questions that they're going to have to have there. Uh, But as far as the upcoming season, Athlon Sports has named Jordan Whittington and Vernon Broughton the wild cards for the Texas Longhorns football team. They did all 10 of the Big 12 teams, uh, offense and defense. Jordan Whittington, uh, on a side note, are you excited to see him wearing the number four jersey? (laughs) I was just mentioning earlier because I know he posted a a picture on Twitter and I thought he looked weird in the four because I was kind of used to him in that 21 I think it was so um, but I understand completely why he obviously changed numbers he's going to be primarily a slot receiver now so um, I think that fits him in terms of what numbers were available but uh, it's still a little weird. Uh, I will just say this 
I appreciate what he did. Obviously, I'm a big fan of the number four. That was the number that I wore. Uh, so, you know, big fan of that number. And uh, I don't like seeing 21 on wide receivers. I think that's a running back. Yeah, number. exactly. A defensive back number, uh-huh. you know, like your safeties, your corners, your running back. That's fine. Your wide receiver. I I, I have a hard time. It, it I don't like it. I think it's ugly. So I'm glad to see him go to a single digit number uh, four. And hopefully we'll see plenty of highlights with him. Uh, Vernon Broughton on the other side, uh, going to play some defensive line for Texas, but, you know, behind Quan Graham, uh, you obviously, he's going to have to play some up on the line. Uh, maybe they're going to use him as that outside defensive end and let Joseph Asai come in behind him. But I think he's going to have some impact. I mean, we saw all those videos in the off season where his dad was putting him through all those workouts. So, you know, that he's getting ready and his dad was getting him ready for the college football season. Yeah, and he was actually an early enrollee, and I, I've heard nothing but or seen nothing but positive uh, remarks in regards to uh, him being on campus and things like that. So um, he's always been uh, highly regarded in terms of the Texas football program, and um, we've always mentioned that he would, out of all the incoming class, I would say he's one of the guys that uh, could, could receive significant playing time as a true freshman. So um, even though he's more of a depth player, I think we'll see the field often. Yeah, I think they're going to be a rotational thing. So that maybe got me thinking, Cammy. Who would be your wild cards on offense and defense this year? Well, I think uh, Whittington has to be the wild card because he's more of the um, unproven at the moment. And then obviously he was a five-star recruit. So uh, everyone was expecting and anxious to watch him and expecting a lot out of him and things like that. And so he's been back and forth on positions. And so um, he's been named by ESPN, the most interesting player to watch. So he's been all over the place. I think people just kind of finally want to see him on the field, but uh, they're kind of, he's unproven. So you're unsure what he's going to bring. And then, Hmm, on the defensive side, ooh, that's hard. Wild card. I would probably say overshown just because he switched from safety to linebacker and is expected to uh, take over that starting linebacker role. So um, I'm going to say overshown on that one. Okay, I'm going to go with Bijan Robinson as my wild card. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy who, like you said, unproven guy, five star recruit, just like Jordan Weddington. Uh, but he's a guy that many anticipate could steal some of those snaps away towards the end of the season and hopefully eventually become the guy, you know, he's a guy much like Whittington that, that possesses that ability to play running back or wide receiver. You know, oh, yeah. we've, we've seen the highlights, the one handed grabs, the crazy catches, you know, so it's not, it wouldn't be a surprise to see him out there playing in that hybrid slot running back role, maybe running routes out of the backfield you know, so he's a guy, and obviously, you know, I'm a big fan of Bijan and have been since really the whole recruiting process. Uh, and then defensively, uh, I'm kind of torn. I'm kind of Joseph Asai. Uh, obviously, when you talk about wild card, Joseph Asai is a known commodity. But my question is, can he provide Texas with a consistent pass rush each and every week? I mean, we saw it in the bowl game, but can if you're asking him to put his hand in the dirt, 20, 25 times a game, can he get you consistent pressure? Can he disrupt? You know, that's that's where I'm at. And the other guy, I think, is I want to see some more of what Deshaun Jameson did last season. Obviously, he led the team with interceptions. You know, can he continue to do that? Can he put pressure with a new defense and a new pass rush? Is that only going to enhance his impact on the game? Oh, yeah, I like those choices. Um 
I don't know. I wouldn't do a side though as a wild card because I feel very confident in what he's going to be able to produce, I guess. So um, I kind of want to see Overshone in a a new role because he's a very physical uh, type of player. So that's why I kind of chose him. I hear you on that. All right, but that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Make sure you check out the Locked On NFL Draft. Trevor Sikama, Benjamin Solak. They're doing a lot of the summer scouting series right now where they're talking about some of these guys that we're talking about. But for Cammie, I'm Patrick, and as always, keep it locked on. Hook them.